Hey Rebels, welcome to another edition of Rebel Parenting. I'm Ryan Dobson, along with my wife, Laura. We've got a great program for you today. Today, there's no books, there's no products, there's just a big heart and a ton of wisdom from a man willing to do whatever it takes to save a life. From buying a home and moving his family next door to an abortion clinic, to then purchasing an apartment complex to house all the girls they were ministering to, Jerry Horn has even gotten arrested and jailed over a hundred times. There's a sheriff in Wisconsin that said they arrested Jerry so many times they just stopped counting. You know, why am I talking about this? It's because I'm a product of adoption. My birth mom, my biological mom, whatever you want to call her, was 17 years old when I was conceived. Her boyfriend left her shortly thereafter. He was 19, didn't want to be a dad, and she didn't know what to do. And somebody pointed her and her family to the doors of a pregnancy resource center. And my parents, Jim and Shirley Dobson, adopted me on August 31st, 1970, when I was six weeks old. And there's so much controversy and hate and anger and anxiety and stress around this issue. I just wanted to talk to somebody that put their heart into action. Save the Storks, a group I work with all the time, their motto is love, passion, and action, and that is a great descriptor of Jerry Horn. So I can't wait for you to meet him. Before we start, have you signed up for our newsletter and text alerts? If not, text the word REBEL to 444-999. Put 444-999 where you put a phone number, then text us the word REBEL. You'll get text alerts, you'll get our newsletter. It's a great way to keep updated with all the things that are going on. And also catch me on Facebook Live every Monday and Friday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern at facebook.com slash Dobson. News, current events, politics, all the things that are going on right in easily digestible format on Facebook Live. Without any further ado, please enjoy our guest, Jerry Horn, on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Jerry, thanks for taking time out of your schedule. I know you're up in the Smoky Mountains and enjoying life. You've got seven kids. We want to talk about pro-life today. And for me, this was an easy subject because I, I, I was born into it. I'm adopted. And so... It's near and dear to my heart, but I want to talk generally just about this pro-life movement. You've been with Priests for Life for so long. The Catholics got into the pro-life movement long before the evangelicals did, and we can learn so much, but I'm thrilled to have you on because we don't want a lot of statistics and numbers. We just want to hear the stories on why it's important to be pro-life today. Well, first of all, Ryan and Laura, it is a, a real privilege to be on with the two of you today, and uh, I'm so grateful, and I, I I commend you for your courage. A lot of uh, leaders these days, uh, not all of them, but many of them often hesitate mm. because they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to hurt anybody. Mm. They don't want anyone's feelings to get hurt. So first of all, I want to thank you for the opportunity uh, to share with you guys today. And uh, I also just really pray that those listening today will listen with open hearts and minds and uh, uh it's really a, a great privilege to be with you guys today thank you so much thank oh it's, you. it's our pleasure really and i mean we've been with you many times we were together at the march for life when i got to speak there and my i got to introduce my dad and I think the way that we value life says a lot about our country about what we believe in and you know, the unborn, we've got the most vulnerable, the most uh, innocent lives, and we just kill them wholesale. 
why is it important to be involved in the pro-life movement today? Why is it important to value life as a nation? Well, that's a that's an excellent question, and maybe I can just share from from why I think it's important uh, from what happened to me years ago uh, in the November of 1983, when in an unexpected moment, the, the Lord really. Uh, and, and I hate to use this term sometimes because it, it's sort of old school, but but the Lord touched our lives supernaturally. We were at a prayer conference, actually, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and uh, the conference had nothing to do with uh, pro-life or just a, a, a group of about 1,500 pastors and their wives at a, a retreat, and uh, a drama team came and did a presentation to, interestingly enough, to one of Keith Green's, the late Keith Green's song, Asleep in the Light. Mm. And uh, the message, of course, was, uh, you know, does anyone hear people ache or hurt or whatever? Mm. And it was a call for uh, men and women to, you know, get past their idea of church and to reach out and really actually do the gospel to share your love for Christ and invite people to join. But in some ways, maybe we'd grown hard hearted and crusty old Christians, you know, (laughs) and uh, the drama team invited all these pastors and their wives to come forward for prayer. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, necessarily a landslide to the front, by the way, uh, because most pastors are taken back with uh, uh, someone giving them a, a, what we called an altar call back in those days. Mm. But it was interesting. Um, we uh, found ourselves at the front of the uh, hall, and the kids from the drama team prayed for us. And then all of a sudden, there was this incredible... Uh, insurgence of God's broken heart. And it was very strange. And we were sort of called uh, at that very moment to give our lives 100% to the cause of the unborn. The Lord made it very clear, even though it wasn't about abortion, the Lord showed us that it was his heart broken for the least of these, Mm. and that his these cries of these children rang through the chambers of heaven, and it was a challenge to to us, would we help him stop it? And we gave our hearts that day in 1983 of November, and we've been doing our pro-life work every single day since that time. And so that was my call. But I think that the real reason and why it's so important is fundamental. It's a matter and a condition of one's heart. Mm. If we open our hearts and we say, Lord, use us, you know, in any way, there's going to be at some point, uh, I just know because God cares about the shedding of innocent blood mm-hmm. that he will speak to your hearts. This movement was born from a broken heart mm-hmm. and it was, it was born from those who really gave themselves to making the truth be known. And I, 
I have every confidence that when people open their hearts, I don't have to preach pro-life. I don't have to, you know, I mean, I'm all about education, all those things. But I think that when people, especially young people these days, right, kids that are opening and young people that are opening their hearts, millennials, Mm -hmm. they they have a, a great sensitivity for what's right and what's wrong. And uh, I'm, I'm encouraged to see people uh, motivated to do something. And I really believe that we are we're seeing the t- tide turn in our country. And uh, I, I really, I, if there was anything I could share today is, you know, go before our Lord and ask mm-hmm. him about his heart concerning the board. And, and I think that people will be surprised what they find out if they're really open to that. So Jerry, what happened for you at the beginning when you first got this vision, you and your wife, what, where did you guys start? What did it look like? Well, Laura, uh, we had a very ominous beginning. <laughs> um, we, at the time we, we, we lived in a little, uh, area in northeastern Wisconsin called Appleton, Appleton, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the prayer conference, the Lord made it so clear. And he, he made it, uh, you know, if we had the time, I would tell you the whole story. But it was, it was such a convincing experience uh, to us that at that very moment, we knew we had marching orders. Pastor Norman Stone, who was my senior pastor, I was his associate pastor at the time. Okay. Um, and... Uh, we went back to the little town of Appleton, Wisconsin, knowing that we would, our lives would change drastically. And yeah. we knew that, you know, we actually, we saw our, we saw ourselves in jail back in those days. And you have to remember, this is way before Operation Rescue or, right. yeah. or okay. all of these things. So we were, we so were Jerry, can I ask, and, you uh, saw yourselves in jail. How many yeah. times have you been arrested? Do you know? You know, Ryan, Recently, uh, I asked the, the retired now chief of police of Appleton, uh, Grand Chute, Wisconsin, the officer who often arrested me, uh, who, who is another story. We became very close friends through the years. Aww. And uh, I recently got to see him and uh, uh, we asked him, he, my my uh, very dear friend, Anthony DiStefano said, mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. Chief Freckway, how many times have you arrested Jerry? And Norm, he says, you know what? I lost count. He said there were so many times that finally I remember just driving up to the abortion clinic there in Appleton and just asking them to get right into the car <laughs> and uh, just open the door and get them in. I just take them in, book them, and that would be it. So wow. I don't know, Ryan, but it was uh, it was certainly more than a handful. And uh, we we were always arrested for trespassing. We just tried to give materials or speak to the couples, the women or mm-hmm. couples that were in the mm-hmm. parking lot. And we owned a 52-unit motel restaurant complex back in those days, um, uh, named by the Appleton Police Force, called the Samaritan Inn. <laughs> and we would take people in to our hotel, and, and we offered the girls or the couples help and, and those kinds of things. But that was in the early days. But we really, we went back to Appleton and, we found out that this huge abortion clinic actually was in our community. We had no idea. Yeah. Huh. And we, at that point, just really, uh, we would go and, and do all we could. And uh, eventually, um, I found that being arrested was 
very time consuming and we couldn't, you know, I didn't want to spend my time in jail or, and we were released, you know, within hours or a day or two, whatever. But there was a house right next to the abortion clinic. In fact, the abortion clinic there was a form of Jehovah Witness Kingdom Hall. So basically they did abortions in the church, uh, as it were, at one time. But the only other property, north, south, east, or west of there, was the former parsonage, which was only, you know, feet away from the abortion clinic. And we always thought, wouldn't it be nice if we owned it? And then God answered that prayer, and my wife Bonnie and I and our family actually ended up moving into this house right next to the abortion clinic, where we didn't have to get arrested so often, because (laughs) our backyard was adjacent to the parking lot. And uh, I managed to get arrested a few times after that, but for the most part, we were able to talk to people going into the clinic. And uh, so we lived there for uh, a few years, and, and we saw great and miraculous things. And and we learned so much. We really did. We were able to help uh, young couples or mm-hmm. married or, or women who were going in for abortions. But we saw a lot of tragedy there as well. Jerry, uh, you know, there is so much tragedy in it. And I'm not sure if a lot of people know my whole story. And maybe you can share some of the ones that you've learned because you had a hotel, a little motel complex that you allowed people to come and live in. I'm adopted. Um, my birth mom was 17 years old. She was a high schooler when she found out she was pregnant. When she was 17, her boyfriend was 19. So he was an adult. Uh, she was classified as a child at that point, And he took off. He didn't want to be a dad, didn't want to be married. And she felt alone. I've spoken at so many pregnancy resource centers and heard these stories. These young girls feel completely alone. They're terrified. You know, at 17, she's thinking, you know, am I going to get to finish high school? Let alone, will anyone ever ask me to a prom again? Or will I go on any more dates? And what are my friends going to say? And what are my parents going to say? And will I lose my figure? And when you're that age and you're that vulnerable, you're looking for choices and options that are out there. And what you did is to go in and say, there is another option. You know, the Planned Parenthoods of the world says there's only one option for these girls, and that's to kill a baby. It's to end a life. You need to murder somebody in order to have your own life back. And we think that's a mistake. You know, I'm not going to get into all the statistics and studies, but abortion radically increases cervical and breast cancer. It radically increases uh, infertility possibilities. It, It does not open your life for choices. There are other things available. You can... Listen, being a single mom and a young mom is very, very difficult, but there are so many people that want to adopt babies in this country, mm-hmm. and adoption is an option out there, and thankfully, my birth mother's parents were at a church, and I know the church in Southern California, and somebody pointed them to a pregnancy resource center. It was called Bethany back then. It's, it's not even exist, in existence anymore. And they took my... I remember Bethany, though. I, I remember, bet you do. Yes. A, they were a big adoption agency. In fact, I have, I'll, I'll post it uh, in the show notes. I have a photo of the very first time my parents ever held me. And they gave my birth mom another chance at life. You know, when you're 17 and you think about your future, you don't think of being a single mom and when you get the flu it doesn't matter because you're going to take care of a kid and you've got to find childcare and you've got to get a job and you've got to earn and you've got all these things stacked up against you and they needed help and my parents couldn't have kids on their own anymore there were complications during my sister's pregnancy and the lord put them together 
and I got to be a Dobson. I got to get a better chance. And here's the thing, people that are raised by single parents, you are the exception to the rule. But all the studies show being raised in a single parent family, those children don't do as well statistically as those raised in a two parent family. They make less money. They get into drugs and alcohol at a higher rate. They don't graduate high school or enter college at the same rate. All of those things. And so Bethany gave me another chance at life as well. And you know, you're letting all these young girls live in your uh, hotel and the couples and you're sharing with them, giving with them. This story is universal. You know, people don't get abortions because they feel like they have options. They get abortions when they feel like there is nothing else available to them. Yes, I'll tell you uh, one thing that Father Frank often says in in, in, uh, his talks across the country is that women don't get, uh, young women do not get abortions because... um, they have a choice. They get abortions because there is no choice. I mean, it is right. really true what you're saying, Ryan. And it was my experience there in those early years uh, were were amazing. You know, uh, uh, and and I'll just say two things. One, uh, first of all, your story is very inspirational and is is really sort of uh, in in the timeline of the movement was very was very. It was a pioneer experience for mm. people people began to understand and and uh, you it sort of paved the way the whole concept of adoption uh as an option to abortion but uh, uh i remember meeting with uh, uh one young couple I, I it was very interesting i got a phone call one day it wasn't even at the clinic but we live next to the clinic you get a phone call and this uh, young man says uh uh, Mr. Horn, he says, uh, would you be willing to meet with uh, my girlfriend? And I, I was like, well, who is this? He says, well, I'd rather not say, but could you meet us at such and such restaurant? Uh, we have some questions for you. And uh, I remember uh, feeling a, a little uncomfortable because of all the controversy that we were in, that it was yeah. a setup of some kind, but I thought, <laughs> you know, I don't have anything to hide or lose. So I went there and there was a young couple sitting in the back booth and they were about the same age as your mom. I think the young lady was 17, mm. and I think the guy was actually 19 or 20. Um, and they began to share with me your experience. And uh, they told me, first of all, when we came to the abortion clinic to have the abortion the other day, you were standing outside with a sign. And we rethought our decision, and we left the clinic, and we decided to call you. Oh, and uh, they were... Their parents were very well known in Appleton. In fact, they were mm-hmm. um, local government officials, and they were very uh, afraid to tell their parents and everything. But Ryan, it was a great story. The fact that we offered them a place and everything, and we negotiated with, uh, we ended up negotiating with their parents, and they saved their baby. And mm. you know, time after time after time. Now, this young couple ended up getting married. They had the baby, but she finished high school. You know, every story is, is different. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, these days, in this day and time, we're seeing more and more, especially single moms, right? I don't know if this is your experience, but I just haven't been at the March for Life this last year and met with so many different people. Uh, you're so encouraged. To, uh, I mean, it may be because I'm getting older, but 
it's it's absolutely saturated with millennials and high school Mm -hmm. you know it's just crazy but the stories are amazing i i've heard a couple of different stories of uh, young women who ended up having their babies and they're raising their babies on their own and they're they they feel so empowered um that they did the right thing Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. share the hard challenges you know, like you mentioned, I have to, I have two jobs. I have to yeah. do this. I have to do that. And, but they're going to school, they're getting their education, but they're doing it. And the, the feeling and the absolute, and, you know, I did the right thing is amazing. And then you hear the other stories that I gave yeah. my baby up for adoption. Mm-hmm. And, and that is so amazing too. And the fact that there are so many willing and open, uh, people who want to adopt in this country. And then you have the the Planned Parenthoods and the uh, pro-abortion organizations that push to kill for money. And, uh, but anyway, I I just was really encouraged just last year uh, to see uh, in January to, to see and hear all these young people, millennials, as well as uh, really young people who, uh, went ahead and and had their babies it's mm-hmm. just so encouraging but uh it is and it gives them a sense of pride because they're doing it you know it's exactly i was listening to somebody talk about welfare and how you lose that sense of pride Mm. um and in fact it reminded me of a documentary i saw on the dust bowl and the invention of the cccs when they had this uh, my grandpa was a member of the cccs he couldn't provide for his family his mom passed away giving birth to the 13th child his dad was an alcoholic and he joined the cccs and he got i think it was 25 dollars a month he could keep five and they would send 20 to his family and it gave him a sense of pride because he was out there building and working and doing and that's what these single moms are doing they feel a pride it's absolutely i could have taken the easy way out or the the seemingly easy way out but instead I, I told Laura this weekend, and, and I don't want to get on a high horse, but I, I went to work. Um, I had a red-eye flight. It was going to be a long drive, and there was a lot of hardships involved. And Laura was saying how sorry she was I had to go through it. And to her, I just said, I'm so excited I get to do this. Because when I come home, I'm going to have provided for the family. I get to endure these hardships. And those single moms are doing that. They're saying, you know what? I get to work two jobs for this little baby. I get to sacrifice for that baby because that baby has life. And that child is going to grow up feeling that. My mom made a sacrifice for me. I feel that with my parents. I, 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 I praise my birth mom for making the sacrifice for placing me into a family she thought would do a better job than she did. The, the, the process, I couldn't imagine how hard that is. The grief you go through, you know, letting your baby go into another family, but it gave me the best chance at a great life, and I've got it. I mean, it came true for me. Amen. And, and Ryan, I think that when you, when you look back uh, through the course of history, your life included. Can you? Can we imagine a life without Ryan <laughs> and and then Laura and the children? It's really unbelievable. The ripples of mm. of the positive effects of of lives that have uh, been allowed to live. And and uh, can we imagine after 58 million abortions since 1973? Ooh. That's surgical abortions. 
You know, I'm telling you, who died? You know, people's lives. I think God had a destiny. I think their their lives are snubbed out, and 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 it's it's such a tragedy that we can't even comprehend what uh, the the loss of one life. Yeah. Uh, if we if we could even see a glimpse of God's heart and mm-hmm. what's being destroyed, we couldn't we couldn't withstand the the reality of that. But uh, and that's why I'm so grateful for the sacrifice of these young women mm-hmm. who are, are standing out. You know, we uh, we talk about this and we we praise them and we we thank God for them and we help them in every way that we can and. Uh, it's it's very exciting, and I'm I'm really glad that your mom also made that decision, mm-hmm. and that you became a Dobson, and you, the, just the, the the hundreds of thousands of lives that you and Laura have touched since you began your ministry uh, years and years ago, yeah. and uh, and what your your kids will I know that they already you know but they will their heritage and their futures yeah. will bring to others. And then you multiply that by, you know, it, it's just almost unfathomable to, so, to see what God has done through for the good things that are happening. And I'm I'm excited for the new pro life movement, and I believe that we, I believe that we do have. I think that we're winning a lot of things, and we have a long way to go because in the end, no matter what happens, well, I shouldn't say no matter what happens, but the political aspects are important. But reaching the heart and the minds of of young women and couples that are faced with the realities that we've talked about mm-hmm. is so mm-hmm. very important. And I'm excited to be a part of that in some small way, as you guys are, and reaching them with hope and sharing and allowing the, the, the single moms to share uh, about that pride you talked mm-hmm. about and, and how good they feel about the decisions that they've made rather than sitting in a, a cold, clammy, stinky office of Planned Parenthood people telling them, oh, you, you can't do this, you can't do that. Oh, if you do, you know, they need to see yeah. the reality of, of choosing life because it's infectious and it's it beautiful. Is. So where um, I've been fortunate enough, I have a lot of adoption in my family and I have an adopted brother. So I've I feel very fortunate to be on the other side and I've married a a man who you guys know his story. But um, where would someone start? Like where what do you think, in your opinion, you've been around this field for a long time. Where can we jump in to really start winning the battle? Well, I think very there's so many different areas of getting involved. And uh, I think the most important thing is uh, a place to start is in your local area. You know, um, there are a lot of pregnancy centers. Mm -hmm. And and if you, the people just call their local uh, crisis pregnancy center uh, and volunteer there, they can donate money there, but it's better. I think it's really cool if you can go into the pregnancy centers uh, that's where the rubber meets the road yeah. oftentimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the, nas- the national organizations are very vital. But in reality, uh, most people will get a very important education and they can see and feel the heart of God when they uh, see these young women uh, come into the uh, crisis pregnancy centers 
and uh, share their stories and their mm-hmm. dilemmas. You get a real education real quick. And I think that's a place to start, Laura, is right like there off. in your own local community. Okay. And uh, I think it's really important. Oh, Jerry, thank you so much. What a great time to talk about this. And it's inspiring, and it really is. It's the compassionate choice. You're showing the most love and the most compassion. It's harder. It's hard work. It's just the right work to do. And we appreciate you've just committed your life to this mm-hmm. with Priest for Life and all the things that you've done. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, guys. Hey, Rebels, we are out of time for today. But if you'd like more information about Priest for Life, come to our website, rebelparenting.org. Click on the program and you'll find that in the show notes. Man, I love talking to Jerry. He's got so much wisdom and so much heart. And just to see his example of of just putting his love into action, his faith into action year after year is such an inspiration. Man, I love that. So much fun. Sign up for the newsletter by texting the word REBEL to 444-999 and catch me every Monday and Friday, 11 Eastern, 8 Pacific, Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Dobson. We love you, Rebels. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.